welcome to Salt and Honey. This is our third episode. Yeah. And I'm Leslie, and that's Sloane. Hi there. We're going to talk about um, American comics today. Yes. We've been really doubling down on talking about manga and, and like similar media, mm-hmm. media in that proximity. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about what everyone is so interested in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going all American. Yeah, we're, we're Americans. So I think all American. Yeah. <laughs> so Sloan, what was like your first, um, your first American comic? That you actually cared about, not just like random X Men and stuff. Oh man, um, dang, that's hard. Actually, <laughs> I think I, uh, King City was probably the earlier ones that I was like really into. So Brandon oh, yeah. Brown's King City. When did you read that? I think when I was like a teen, when it was like published in Tokyo Pop. Oh yeah, yeah. Before before Image got it, got the right, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was just super cool to me because it was like just a really unique style. And it was like the first American comic I saw that wasn't like a cape comic or like super jacking like ma- a manga style. It was just like its own thing. Yeah. And then um, around that time, I started getting into like James Stokoe's work. He did a mm-hmm. book called um, Wonton Soup, which was like also really cool and unique. And there's really no other styles that are like his style. It's just, yeah. like, hyper-dense detail. I mean, maybe, like, Jeff Darrow, but um, James has, like, a really fun, quirky style. And he has, like, really strong visual affectations, so... Yeah, James. James's work is very, very ornate and, like, a little bit grotesque in how crazy it is. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's, totally. like, what's cool about him. Yeah, I, like, got to stay at him and his um, wife's place when I was, like... I think I was like 19 or something and I was visiting Vancouver and uh-huh. um, so I got to like watch him like in his space like drawing this giant like Godzilla piece and oh, he's so cool. working on this like massive piece of paper and he's like wedged into the corner of his couch and just like balled up with his knees like up to his chest <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and like with like this like a drawing uh uh, board in front of him with this giant paper and just like going through it and like detailing like every little scale and it was just like the most insane thing to me it was like one of those moments where it's like you know when you see like a like kind of like a master at work for the first time or someone who's like just like so high above your skill set that you're just like kind of in awe that was like the feeling yeah. I had <laughs> that's cool yeah it's like a very like hands-on learning experience were you yes definitely. Sloan. yes little baby Sloan <laughs> Uh, what about you? I'm trying to remember. I think it might have either been Fables or Watchmen. Oh, okay, yeah. That was kind of around when V for Vendetta, the movie, came out. Mm-hmm. So I think around 2006, 2005-ish, mm-hmm. there was like a bunch of graphic novels that I was interested in. Um, I was interested in the Fables books because of James Jean's covers, because I was like super into him Yeah. when yeah. I was like a teen, but... You're not so much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Watchmen is it was before that movie came out. Yeah. And yeah. but it had like tons of hype and people would not stop talking about it. And it was actually pretty good at first impression just because it's good. It's like I haven't read it in years because I lent it to someone and I haven't seen it since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it I feel like it probably holds up, right? I don't know. Watchmen, yeah. <laughs> think? I think someone like asked us about that on Twitter as well, like what we thought of it. Um, it's good. I didn't read it till way later because I think, like I said before, it took me a long time to find like the actual 
critically acclaimed cape like American comics that were yeah and superhero stuff but I I still liked it I thought it was still pretty relevant because it's still like the superhero genre still uses the same tropes over and over again and yeah it's kind of crazy and I'm like they've gotten like more grim and like winky like recently like in regards to like the writing styles but it's still like a decent critique of like that whole fandom and mindset and yeah yeah i don't really think that that kind of that kind of audience interaction with kate comics will go away Mm -hmm. so i kind of feel like watchmen will also be real will always be relevant in a way Mm -hmm. i think it's very it's like it's a lot smarter than most kate comics anyway yeah no matter how smart and winky and referential they try to be, it's just not its not really the same as trying to, like, subvert it. Because you can't really do it when you're doing a comic, because there's, there's just so many things you have to take into account. Yeah. And a bunch of people who have their hands in it, and you can't really be free. <laughs> yeah. You're never free in cape comics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I, I'm going to be cliche, too, because, like, first American comic that I read when I was, like, 14 or something, like, Borders book teen was, was um, what is it, Death by Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. Which is definitely, oh, no. like, male critics are always, like, the only people that read this, read, like, Neil Gaiman's work and actually like it are, like, teenage girls. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> that's true. Does Neil Gaiman count as an American comic? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. He's not... He's like British, right? I mean, I guess technically, yeah. I like mean, English might as language, well be. English language, Western world. Yeah. Comment. Fine, like what? Yeah, Western accounts, accounts. I had always wanted to buy the Watchmen comics when I was around 13. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that again. But I bought like a anthology of short stories written by other people mm-hmm. based on the canon in the comics. Yeah. So it's almost like published fan fiction. Ah, okay. But actually, that was like all the stories, and they were really good, and they made me want to read the comics more. Mm-hmm. And when I actually read the comics, like they were good, but it's it was like it wasn't really what I expected because I spent so many years like building up this um, mental library of what I thought everyone looked like and acted like and what the art looked like. That mm-hmm. it was like it was not exactly that. It didn't exactly align. I do like Sandman comics. <laughs> yeah. Sandman comics. Oh, Sandman, yeah. Um, yeah, I think with, like, Death, I was, like, super into her character. Sandman, less so, just because it was, like, another broody guy, like, a Batman-esque vibe. Um, but yeah, but he's not really in it that much. He's, like... Yeah. I mean, I, like I, I didn't read a lot of it. Like, that, just that one trade of Death was, like, the one I read, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, like, really like that, but... Death is such a like, iconic character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was always, I always did fan art of her for some reason, even though I, I had barely read the comics. Yeah, her and like a <laughs> dream, I think, was like the crazily clad character with like colorful clothes and. No, I think that's delirium. delirium. Yeah, that's one. Because like, what's his face, Orpheus or whatever is the dream? Oh one. yeah, the cloak dude. Yeah. Yeah, like you know the Sandman. Yeah. <laughs> You're like I don't yeah, know, like, I, don't I don't care. I only read it once. Gone. <laughs> I'm like, um, actually, I have the Wikipedia open right now, and you're wrong. Oh, what? No. Um, but yeah, that and like Tank Girl. Like, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't like religiously followed like those, like Neil Gaiman or anything, or like uh, Hewlett. But I remember reading Tank Girl and thinking that was also like a really unique style. And I think that was maybe around the time Gorillas started. 
putting yeah. out like visual stuff with their work as as well. So I was like, this is yeah, sick. I was obsessed. I was obsessed with gorillas. I had never read Tank Girl, mm-hmm. and I still haven't read Tank Girl, but I guess I should. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's very, like, pulpy and, like, vulgar and, like, punky and, like, it was, like, really cute. It's probably not the best, like, story. And, like, she mm. has, like, a kangaroo boyfriend. But, um, yeah, I just liked her. She was always, like, really, like, gross and mean and I like that. <laughs> I like that about her. So should we, like, get into what are we doing? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so let's talk about um some more like our fave like western comics i'll start with uh mirror i don't have too much to say about mirror but i just like i really like it because i like emma rios and i like Hoi Lim a lot i love her she's like i love emma's work too yeah they're both like amazing artists um emma's work on pretty deadly is like super unique just like there's really no one else drawing like her and the same goes for Hoi. Who has like this beautiful like airy watercolor-esque digital style that just is like super attractive to look at yeah i love i've loved hoy's work for i want to say since my deviant art mm-hmm. days and it's really cool to see how she's taken her art so far like she's really um in a way a lot a lot of ways loosened up her style but also refined it a lot yeah. and there's like an effortlessness to her work, but you know, you can really tell that she puts a lot of time and effort into things, yeah. but it's just, it's so like, it's full of like air and life. Yeah. Nothing. looks like it's overwork. It just looks like her shorthand is just this really appealing. It's not fussy. I would say. Yeah. It's not fussy at all. And she draws really hot people. Yes. So that helps. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. Mirror. I'm going to read the back of mirror. It says, uh, the mage scientists of the Synchronia have terraformed a portion of an asteroid, a tiny fragment of a one-slush world. Unexpected side effect arises in the spontaneous sentience of the animal sent to test the environmental conditions. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of like furry characters in this that works like made from like DNA from humans and spliced with cats and rats and cows and dogs the humans are using them to explore this asteroid pretty interesting it's very dense um there's a lot of jumping between the present and the past um not like in flashbacks because it's not i mean it is a flashback but it's not like it'll just like jump to the past without kind of like leading us through like someone thinking or someone relating something from the past so sometimes it can get confusing because suddenly you'll see this character that's like kind of looks the same but maybe a tiny bit younger so you're like are they is this in the past or is this now so yeah i i found the story itself to be a little bit confusing mm-hmm. i was looking over some pages today just to see where i left off and i like where it's going i just <laughs> i'm just, i think i'm just bad at reading it no i was it's it's very hard it's hard to parse like there's a lot of different types of narration and interaction within the story and the panels themselves are very like very decadent mm-hmm. and i found it a little bit hard to follow because of that but i don't i feel like it's one of those books where you learn to read it yeah definitely and the more you read it the easier it gets so it's kind of like if you if i if you just stopped in the middle and then took it up again in like a month or so you might just be lost and have to read it all over mm-hmm. again yeah there's a lot of different uh like word balloon styles you have like colored word balloons and like people that speak in all caps or it's just there's a lot of different identities and they're all kind of influencing their 
word balloons, which can be a little not jarring, but you're just like, wait, why is he? Why is this person talking in this like visual style? And you're like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, a different that's person. Like, there's very much a lack of in- information dumping here. Yeah, which can work. So you kind of just this is you can obviously tell there's like a lot of world building that they did beforehand. Like there's magic in this. Yeah. It's like science. It's like science fantasy. Um, so you're not too sure of like the rules of this of this world, like the magical yeah. rules or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting. I like the world and I like the characters. I just found it a bit difficult, which is not to say that I don't think uh, I think other people can enjoy this yeah. more. What do you think? Part of Eight House, right? Yeah, this was part of Eight House, which was like a shared universe um, with a couple other series. Um, so this was like supposed to take place in the far future. Um, From Under Mountains was supposed to take place in the far past and then there was three others there was like kiem there's only i believe there's only three left that are going and they they're continuing on like on their own thing without eight house yeah i thought that the idea of eight house was really cool and i love the idea of like there's something kind of childlike about doing that i Mm -hmm. think kind of reminds me of when people would like role play yeah totally (laughs) like like it would all be different different groups of characters but within the same universe yeah. in a way so i thought that was really cool kind of sucks that it didn't i feel like it maybe didn't pan out the way that it was supposed yeah, to it was just like a little it was confusing like marketing wise for people just the way it was yeah. like numbered like it'd be eight house kiam number one eight house kiam number two and then it would change titles and then people would be like wait what yeah. is this the continuation of the same story or like what is happening so that didn't that yeah, maybe tanked it, but I do. Yeah, I like the idea as well. Yeah, I feel like maybe it it could be like it would have been better if it was starting from a certain point in time and like building its way outward. I don't yeah. really know because I feel like people people need to learn the worlds first and then build from that. Yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it probably would have been better to do something more linear, like have it just come out like consecutively, but in the correct like periods of time. So starting from the old, yeah, and moving into the future, maybe. Or, like, parallel worlds within the same time yeah, periods or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but uh, you never know. Yeah. We're like, oh, we, just, we can just yeah, make it better right now. This is what <laughs> you should have done. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but like, actually, we have some input. Even though it's not going on anymore, we can yeah, tell you what to do. I'm just going to criticize <laughs> your entire marketing plan. Um, what do you think of uh, Emma's, like, backstories that, are, that were in the back of each issue? And they're, like, all, like, traditional watercolor and... I guess some really faint pen. I know. I think this is pencil. No, I can't tell if it's pencil or pen. But were they in the back of each issue? I have the. Um, there were shorts in the back of each issue. I think Emma did like two. It's just like really uh, impressionistic watercoloring happening. Really neat. Yeah, I like I like her style. I like I like the similarity between her and Hui's mm-hmm. work, but the there's also very obvious differences. Yeah. They both are really, like, ornamental in their paneling and, like, their line work. Um, Yeah. Way's uh, inking can be, like, way denser, though. I don't know if you read any of, like, um, Pretty Deadly. Oh, I did read Pretty Deadly. Yeah, I think think Way's line work is a bit more economical. Oh, yeah, totally. Emma's style is is very nice, and there's a lot of fluidity Mm -hmm. in her line. And, yeah, she's really not afraid to just go... To just like layering on images and like uh, speed lines and like montaging pages, which totally. is really cool. 
and really hard to do and still make look like really good on the page so mirror is like kind of crazy i think i feel like there's some pages with like 20 panels on yeah it. which i think is more a product of uh i'm guessing emma's doing layouts for away because way i think is usually a lot sparser with her paneling yeah i yeah when i read like hero and Hui's mini comics and stuff they're they're definitely a lot less there's definitely a lot less mm-hmm. going on I feel like I feel like getting into like the nine plus range with panels can be a bit much. Yeah, I, like I usually reserve those for something that's like a series of quick actions or like compressing a long period of time over over a short period of time. Like Definitely. That, like I think there's this one uh, Steve Ditko page that was like that is a lot of panels and it's just like a lot of like uh, building shots and like signs and I just like always it's like a really iconic page to me. I can't think of where it's from but it it reminds me of like one of those pages you had i don't know if you want to include those (laughs) but that page where it was basically like there was a page with panels and then within your page there was like basically another page full of panels yeah (laughs) Yeah, i was like oh my god sloan what is that it's so crazy and then in that tinier page of panels there's another hidden yeah it's like oh where is waldo like when does this end it's like those mirror images where the panels keep going and going it's like all the same page over and over again like use a microscope and like zoom in and closer and that's like where the actual story takes place is like in the fifth the fifth like level (laughs) fifth layer of that (laughs) yeah get on my level you're like yeah i'm like a house like I'm like House of Leaves, but yeah. in a comic. Like, turn turn it upside down and then, yeah. like, mirror it. Then you can then read look, it. Look with a microscope. <laughs> Just constantly be spinning the comic, and then that's how, oh my gosh. That's how you'll be able to read the story. Yeah, you have to, like, read it out loud and then, like, and record who you're reading and then oh play it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about you? What is one of your picks? One of my faves? I, yeah. I have to say All-Star Superman. Nice. This is by... It's written by Grant Morrison and illustrated by frank quietly mm-hmm. and this is actually this is a book recommended to me by mari our friend mari odomo and i don't remember why he did i, I don't remember why he recommended this mm-hmm. but i really love this book yeah <laughs> and i think i feel like with a lot of a lot of like the really 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 iconic and famous superheroes like superman and batman like there's not really a lot i feel like emotionally there's not a lot you can give to those kinds of characters because you're just like whatever i already know everything about them yeah there's a lot of like tropes about them that you're kind of already conditioned to feel a certain way about the things they do and expect a certain thing from them Mm -hmm. so i had already thought i was like whatever i don't really care about superman he's a little bit boring yeah but this book made me like love superman yeah (laughs) and i i kind of feel like it's because we were talking about Watchmen earlier. I feel I felt the same way about Superman as I did about like Doctor Manhattan, like the whole character arc where he becomes God basically, and uh-huh. I find that extremely unrelatable. Yeah, <laughs> like I find becoming omniscient is just like I'm like whatever, that's never gonna happen to me. And I feel like the only time where I've thought that that level of enlightenment was interesting in comics was like when I read Tesco's Buddha. Mm-hmm. And I think even that he's like, Buddha is very different from kind of becoming this like all knowing, all powerful being. Cause yeah. It's kind of more about becoming empathetic and a better person. Mm-hmm. So Superman's kind of this godlike character. And I like that in all-star Superman, he, he's like a God, but he is becoming human mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. 
And he was like so hot in this, and I don't, I like didn't like Frank Hartley's work before. <laughs> I like didn't understand, and then there was like some panels where I was like, oh my god, he's like so sexy, like <laughs> he's like so handsome, like didn't know what was happening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like I don't have the same reaction to like Frank Hartley's work because they all look like kind of like balloons to me, like little like balloon animals, like the way no, it's like colored. Like, yeah, <laughs> they all look like, like plastic. There's like some panels where you can see like Superman's eyelashes, and I'm like, oh my god, he's so beautiful. <laughs> You're like, yes, more more eyelashes. Yeah, more eyelashes, more like kind of this like wounded vulnerability. Yeah. So it was like a twelve issue twelve issue story about Superman, mm-hmm. and it was came out in 2005 and ended in 2008. In the story, Superman's dying because like Lex Luthor tries to blow the sun up or something. I don't, well, I don't remember. Yeah, I think that was that was it. There's like solar radiation, and Superman ends up getting cancer. I I like I don't. I feel like this book is not really good if I explain everything. I, I just think that the actual experience of reading it is really enjoyable. Yeah, it's not really, like, a plot-driven piece. It's more about him and his, like, winding... His relationship. Yeah, his relationships, and he's, like, winding down his life and trying to figure out the last sort of thing he can do for, like, the people he cares about and, like, the world, which yeah. is, like, really... is like, bittersweet. <laughs> yeah, it's, like... I feel like it. it also ends not completely with everything not completely tied up and like there's a there's a few loose ends but it's i find it so like such a interesting character piece on superman just because he's such a like he's such a like mythical character Mm -hmm. like there's there's so much about him and there's there's like countless stories about him and like and like lois and lux luther and everyone that i think it's actually really difficult to make something that's actually interesting actually good oh totally from that but i really love the characterization of him in this and there's like this like this yeah as i said before like the vulnerability and like some like this sense of purity that actually made me like him a lot more and i and now i'm just like i love superman he's like my favorite superhero yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty it's pretty good it's been a while since i've read it but i just remember all these like little interesting character scenes that they would have been interesting without these characters like the fact that they're, he's, like, an iconic character is just, like, a little cherry on top. But, like... Yeah, like, even more so. Yeah, and, like, I think there's, like, a scene with, like, Lois, and she's, like, super paranoid or, like, suspicious of Superman, and, like, I forget why, but she, like, shoots him at one point, and he's, oh, like... yeah, yeah, that's, like... No, that was, like, the page where I love it, like, because he's, like, really hot in that, on that yeah. page. <laughs> she, yeah, she... She feels like she doesn't know anything about him, and he's basically trying to get, like, spend some time with her because he's dying, right? Yeah. And she doesn't really know because, you know, he's Superman. He's not going to tell everyone that he's dying because people are just going to, like, attack him or whatever. And she shoots him, and I I just love this page. I don't know what it is. It's like, like, I feel like it's kind of her cabin fever, but also, like, just dating someone like Superman is just too overwhelming for her. There's a lot of cool characters, and there's just a lot of small things that, that really add to it, and really add a sense of, like, the world and depth to it. <laughs> I love, like, when Quietly draws Clark, and he's just, like, walking into things and dropping things, and... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's just, like, it's, it's very... Like, it's very... It's a very cute comic, and I, I don't expect to say that about a superhero mm-hmm. comic, but I like it. I feel like if you're gonna read a superhero comic, might as well read a yeah. good one. true. And this one's a good one. What do you think about Quietly's art? 
Um, he has a really good sense of scale. Mm-hmm. I do think his art is a little bit off-putting. I first... Oh, I think the reason why I read this was because I first read Jupiter's Circle, which is an image oh, okay. comic. And that whole, like, it's a Mark Miller comic that he did with Frank Quietly. And it's the whole thing is, it's pretty interesting. And I, I definitely think that's something that people should read. Mm-hmm. But I think I was reading it and I was like, I don't really understand this art. <laughs> and... And I think Mare was like, oh, you should read All-Star Superman. Oh, okay. I don't like the coloring in this that much, but I I love, like, he does really have a good sense of scale, and I think that's really great for something like Superman, just because there's, like, so much to look at, and you really get a sense of, like, how big the explosions are and how huge Superman's power is, and it's, I think it's very cool for a superhero comic to show mm-hmm. that because it's like so action oriented but you don't really get a sense of the scale and depth a lot of the time yeah so. and like he has such a good like uh sense of the of the body and like m- like the meat and flesh of the body that translates to really yeah. well in his like really like reserved line work yeah it's really skillful and i don't think it's everyone's cup of tea but it's definitely like it's kind of something that should be studied because he just has like a really good sense of the world yeah. and like bodies and shapes and everything yeah the, yeah the only thing i i think would benefit is like you were saying the coloring is really it's not like horrible because his figures look so smooth um mm-hmm. so like the soft like airbrushy shading is like it's not totally like hideous but it's still like i think it's just the, <laughs> the like the cgi feel of it like it's so artificial yeah. feeling it's definitely a choice yeah which like i don't know sometimes they don't get I don't know, like, they don't get to choose their colorist a lot of the time, so I'm wondering, like, how he feels about it, but I think that coloring style is, like, on Jupiter's Legacy as well, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more rendered, but it does look very similar. There's, like, I think in All-Star Superman, there's definitely a lack of hard edges, which is not personally my Mm -hmm. thing. I think in Jupiter's Legacy, I, I do think the colors are a little bit better, but I think the story's worse. Yeah, I think I've I've only read a couple issues of jupiter's legacy so i feel like it 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 just it wants to be more than mm. it is and i find that common in a lot of frank uh, not frank miller mark miller's work and i i i'm, I'm just tired of it i'm not really yeah. into it there's like a <laughs> cover uh for all-star superman that's like is it the one where he looks like an angel no not that one the one where he's like behind a wall with like a gun and like lex luther is like <laughs> Got like laser beams coming out of his eyes. I like the one where he looks like a baby boy, an angel, angelic, angelic Is he, like, baby boy. Is he like sitting in the clouds? Yeah, oh, I yeah, think that so. Really cute. He's either sitting in a field or in the clouds, but that one's like. Yeah, I really like the coloring. He must have done it himself, like Frank, because it's like there's actual hard edge shadows on Superman's. Uh, figure yeah i think some of the covers are like that is way more attractive to me than all that soft shading like adding any like just a little bit of like edge hard edges to the shading is like perfect yeah that's it's kind of like it's i feel like it's very surefire philosophy for coloring (laughs) yeah or shading to have like at least some hard edges Mm -hmm. and then so the soft, soft edges look even more convincing like more realistic and there's a little bit more texture yeah. that way. Yeah, his, the covers are really sick, I think. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, he's so good. I, I I can just get lost looking at it. Yeah. And it's it's just funny because I was just started out being like, oh, I don't get it. Like, why do the people's faces look like, like a mountain? <laughs> like a craggy mountain. That's what he likes. That's what Frank likes. Yeah, now now I know. Now I'm just like, You're okay. Like, you know what? Like, Same. You like, you like a mountain face? And you know what? I can get it too because there's that really hot 
drawing yeah, a Superman. With his, like giant, giant <laughs> chin. He's like, I want to be crushed by that chin. That. I know. I want him to put his chin on me. <laughs> You're like, ew. Like, cut I'm cutting it. this cut. all out. Okay, I'm gonna do uh, one now. Actually, I'm gonna talk about two just because they came out like at the same time. Yeah, Habitat, Habitat and then um, Ancestor. So I'll talk about Habitat real quick. Did you get to read that one at all? I didn't get to read those. So you'll, it'll, it's, all, okay. it's all you. So Habitat is by Simon Roy, who's a uh, part of the Vancouver scene of cartoonists. Um, really into science fiction. He's probably most well known for working on profit. But yeah, Habitat is his like one shot comic that he put out with Image, I believe, maybe last the end of last year. And it's a space colony after it's gone through like this crisis period where it looks like a lot of things broke down. And so there's just these like Mm -hmm. really primitive communities living in this really high tech um, space colony. And they're like, there's a couple different factions of humans, some that are still using robots and some that are just like have reverted to just using basic like spears and like like making fire out of like whatever materials they can find around this giant space colony. Um, which is a really yeah. cool premise, I think. And Simon's like work is like really like meaty. And I believe, let me see if he colored this himself. I think he did. Yeah, I think he colored this himself, which is really cool. There's like a really soft textural watercolory feel to his work, um, like uh, coloring wise. Um, but his ink work is like really mm-hmm. rough and scratchy. And it like somehow he pulls it off doing all these like architectural pages, like having that scratchiness, which I feel like is hard. Um, but it adds like this great yeah, like worn the, down feel to like the environment, which is like texture yeah. and like an actual yeah, lived totally. in look. And yeah, it doesn't like really end in like any sort of like resolution. It kind of ends on like a cliffhanger of this giant, like I want to say an AI type robot at the end that comes back to life. And I'm assuming it's going to like reestablish uh, like peace within this colony. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I believe it's being controlled by like some outside colony that it's finally gotten in contact with, but uh, it's a really cool short story. It's like a little, uh, it's got really cool um, character designs that look like yeah cobbled together from like futuristic spacesuits, But then it also looks like medieval because they're like basically in a medieval type setting now that they like don't have access to technology and like the knowledge to like use it. So yeah, I think it's a pretty unique, unique story, and I really like it. Is it a standalone book? It is, yeah. Okay, can you explain Profit to me? <laughs> is it like an anthology? Profit? No. So Profit was like a reboot of an old Image series by Rob Liefeld. Oh, okay. And um, but they just basically took the char- character and just like totally made it their own thing. Um, it's not really an anthology, but they do have different artists working on different arcs of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it usually stays within like three or four artists. So there was like Simon Roy, Brandon Graham, um, Farrell Del Rumpley, and uh, Malachi Ward and Matt Sheen, who did Ancestor, which I'm going to talk about in a second. And then, uh, and there's a lot of like guest artists on there as well. Oh, cool. Oh, and then like cool. uh, uh, Yanni Miloyani. Uh, but yeah, he draws like insanely well, like his, his, like his mechs and like his cityscapes and like world building are just like on another level, but yeah, they're pretty sick. Yeah. I feel like, I I feel like I don't, I feel like such a baby when it comes to Western comics. Mm-hmm. I know all the like big people 
that have been around for forever but like everyone else i'm just kind of like i i need to be told (laughs) who's to read otherwise i'm just like i don't know i'm like in space yeah (laughs) well it's hard to like keep up on comics when you're making comics it's it's true it's hard i tried I tried to do like I tried to like basically started reading monthly comics when I when we decided to make one. So I was like, oh my god, there's so much to catch up on, and uh-huh. I can totally see why it's intimidating for people that have no experience reading oh, it. Yeah. You just don't really want to, and it's there's a lot to take into account. Yeah, <laughs> it takes a lot of time anyway. So true. Yeah, and I'll talk just like really briefly about Ancestor because they came out at the same time. Um, that's by Malachi Ward and Matt Sheehan. Um, and they're just like this comic duo that like always works together. And they've done a lot of like short one shot stories um, together. Mm-hmm. And they like collaborate insanely well. Like they both draw and write. And you can't really tell like who's drawing when or like who's inking who. Like they're just like super meshed with each other now. Oh, cool. Um, and both are, and they both have really unique styles, so it's cool to see them kind of like uh, meld it in their collaborations. Yeah. Let me read what Ancestor is about real quick. Yeah, I've seen like Malachi Ward's work at Secret Headquarters okay. and other comic book places. He has one of those names where I'm always assuming he's one of those like artsy comic guys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm like, oh, is he the one? Are he, is he one of those guys who makes like those comics about his sex life or whatever? But <laughs> actually, thankfully, I guess not. not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know my least favorite types of comics. I'm like, oh wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the description for Ancestor it says. In rare lucid moments, you see that you are enslaved. You tell yourself that the service is a helpful interface providing your mind with a continual aid and stimulation, but you know it's a lie. Uh, Patrick Whiteside can help you. He doesn't require much. An open mind, determination, the ability to make sacrifices. Let Whiteside help you. Um, So, yeah, it's about this. A couple of characters. um, This is a one shot, so it's pretty short. Um, But there's like these little they're basically hooked up to the Internet full time. And there's these constant little like drippy, like raindrop looking things floating around them that are that's full of like information. Um, So there's like profile, basically like a social media platform, but like times 100. So like you'll get to see people's like memories or you can zoom in on their like physical stats or who they're friends with or their favorite whatever books, movies. Um, And so the main character... I forget his name, but he has like extreme anxiety because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go to the creator's house of this, of this like service called the, wait, it's called the service. That's like this online social media thing. Um, and he uh, starts killing people in order to like trigger this AI that he's built. Um, uh-huh. I'm not explaining it super well, but it's really, it's really interesting. And like, there's this whole scene with the, like this antagonist who's white side Um, who's like this genius and he's like very like it's like a very l ron hubbard-esque scene because he like gets in this like machine and starts Uh having his like ai subconscious like tell him how good he is and how smart he is and like it's just like really creepy because he's just sitting there listening to like this facsimile of his himself talking and encouraging him but in Mm -hmm. in a really scary way (laughs) Um, yeah but yeah that scene alone is like they're really good and worth reading the book for just because it's such a good character moment. Um, But yeah, the ending is a couple this AI that he's made kind of usurping 
um, Whiteside and transforming all these like humans that he's trapped in his house into like post-human entities. Um, mm-hmm. And like they basically start like basically just like float off into the universe and create their own universes. Um, mm-hmm. Except the guy that has anxiety after it looks like a long period of time after he's been just like doing whatever out in the galaxy he comes back and he kind of reforms himself as a human um and then that's oh, kind cool. of the end and it's kind of interesting i like that ending even though it's like kind of vague because it's like he's sees the worth in like his flawed small humanness um, yeah so i thought that was pretty cool very good story i want to read it yeah. now and it has like that same sort of like frank quietly feel like they're like malachi and matt's work is really clean and like there's not a lot of extraneous um detail in their inking at least in regards to like figures Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of yeah they both have the same type of they kind of give you the same impression i guess yeah definitely like similar just very pared down and like honed in yeah like there's a lot of detail in certain areas but it's pretty clear that they want to draw your eye to that rather than it just being yeah, everywhere, exactly. I guess. And, um, cool. Yeah, the coloring's really good. Uh, really, it's really flat with like some light shading, but, um, all the like little like droplets that constitute the, ser- the social media service they're using are like bright orange. So it's a really nice oh, to cool. like counteract the like more soft diluted colors of like the normal normal world yeah i gotta read yeah. this it's cool okay should we talk about 100 bullets <gasps> okay let's do it <laughs> okay so 100 bullets is like who's who is it brian Azzarello yeah. and eduardo riso's very like it's one of the coolest comics ever yeah. Yeah. it was like 100 issues <laughs> and it's about it the the overarching story is just about like sleeper agent assassins Mm -hmm. and they're all working under this one guy who shows up in the first issue but it's more like it it's more like a character piece in a lot of ways yeah there's like there's like certain arcs dedicated to each character and their relationships and you know it's one of those stories where it's a bit like noirish and everyone gets screwed over because of their relationships and they know they shouldn't be in those relationships but they are anyway and just one of those like it's like a really beautiful book like there's it's one of those books with each page has like 10 panels (laughs) and it's just it's crazy it's so good yeah i was like really impressed when i started reading that i think i started reading it like at your recommendation and yeah um, yeah the paneling was like really impressive because it actually reminded me a lot of like manga um just like the way he's like really open to just kind of paneling as the scene needs yeah it's very it very much rejects the idea of using pre-made pages and layouts yeah. it's like a lot of like he'll it it almost seems like improvised because there'll be like panels just everywhere and sometimes it's just like super graphic and very simple and it's so effective yeah. that way and that's yeah that's like another thing is his he, I, th- I believe he's like an argentinian artist um and yeah. i know there's a lot of argentinian cartoonists that have that same um, that draw in that same vein of like really harsh shadow, like shadowing, which is cool to see him yeah, it's do. Like, it's like Charles Scrow yeah. sensibility, and it's like their spot blocks are just immaculate. Mm-hmm. They're so cool, and 
it just everything looks very purposeful and the characters like really interesting and terrifying and I, I like really like all the characters mostly yeah me too and like I don't know I, I thought it was interesting how well it like escalated like each issue like when I first started reading it I was like okay like this is the hook you know you they get like <laughs> okay I see like what's gonna happen but it was really great how they kept layering on this like mythology of like the organization that is actually behind yeah, it yeah it's really cool and, like yeah, it was just, like, really neat. And, like, a lot of times with hard-boiled comics like this, like, crime comics, or, like, they can be kind of tedious because they take themselves, like, so seriously. But I feel like this doesn't have that problem. It's just, like, fun. And you can tell, like, he really is into these characters and is open to, like, changing up the mood of it instead of just staying yeah. in this really tight, emotional, like, funnel, like, hard-boiled funnel. Yeah. It's, it's very... It's... It's a bit pulpy in how fun mm-hmm. it is, and the characters are definitely over the top. And it's one of those stories that I don't think would work as well in any other mm-hmm. medium. But there's certain stories that I think could be like you know either a movie or a TV show, and like they would work just as fine. Mm-hmm. And, but this one is definitely it. It's like good because it's a comic, and it's so readable because it's a comic, and just the way it is, and it's even more special because of like the way the way like Riso draws and the way they talk, and even like the rich kids, like the annoying rich kids, are really funny, yeah. and they have a lot of personality. And in the end, it's not so much that you're like rooting for any given person to die or like to mm-hmm. fail. You kind of just want to see like what happens to them because relationships are so fraught and like. There's, like, a lot of history between a lot of the characters, and it's just, like, a really cool comic to read, especially if you aren't really sure where mm-hmm. to start. It's, like, really, it's, like, a kind of unwieldy length, but it's such a good yeah. book. And I, yeah, I just, like, love how it, like, slowly uh, developed that, like, none of the characters, like, you're not really supposed to root for any of the characters, because they're all, like, really bad people. They're yeah. pretty messed up. <laughs> <laughs> they're bad people, they but kill you, people, yeah, and they're messed you up. Yeah, still, like, sympathize a lot with, like, whatever they've gone through, or, like, any conflicts that they have like during the story so yeah there was like that one guy his name Lono, Lono. yeah oh my god he was so he's scary so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. so messed up and like very scary but there's something really compelling about him it's like and you don't really want to root for him because he's like legitimately a very mm. bad person but his character arc is like fascinating and you're kind of wondering like when he'll come back and like what he'll do next yeah. it's like one of those it's definitely definitely not for kids don't read this you little babies (laughs) yeah don't read it if you're a child or if you're like really in a child that's really into gore (laughs) and like (laughs) and like dizzy was really cool too and everyone just has their own they're very distinctive characters and there's never any any confusion Mm -hmm. between them yeah they're like yeah it's a really like cynical like mean story but I always feel like Azarello writes them with like a lot of sincerity. Even like yeah, he really he believes does, in yeah. it. And even like the side characters, like you were saying, like he's still putting like a lot of thought and layering them with like their own motives, which I appreciate. Yeah, and, and Dizzy's character changes so much from like the oh, first yeah. issue to like the last issue, yeah. and it's just it's it's pretty much like a masterpiece of a comic yeah. book. I agree. Definitely a must read. I know. I want to get. I need like a giant trade. They probably have one. I haven't like bought them, but I definitely need. But there's like uh, just seeing them all together. I'm like, oh man, I have to reread like thousands yeah. of pages. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's like such a feat though, because 
I feel like once you do a monthly comic, you know how hard it is just to do 24 pages and to do 100 issues is yeah, that's mind-blowing. Ridiculous. It's a commitment to mm-hmm. the title. I feel like I, I don't know if I was like super into like the ending, but I know I was like really invested until the very end. Like I was still hooked even towards the end of it. Yeah. And that's really impressive to me for to for something yeah. that long. I feel like it people might not like the ending. I, I thought it was fine, but I feel like you get to it and you you realize it makes sense with mm-hmm. the rest of the story and it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they just like drop the ball yeah. at the end. Which is a problem with every like a lot of like serialized comics, not just the really long ones. Yeah, totally. And I'm wondering if I just didn't like it because it was the end. <laughs> I, I should go back and read <laughs> yeah, it and right. like see how it actually fits with everything, but I think I was just disappointed that I had finished the entire thing and I was like, oh, you're like issue 100 like what a, maybe there's more maybe yeah. there's more <laughs> okay let's talk about casanova then um okay i think i just had like i could only find volume one and like another volume but maybe we can just you can like talk about your overall impression let me see if there's like a little summary i mean well basically everyone well everyone um, already really knows about casanova it's pretty popular it's like pulp it's like james bond yeah it's like so, yeah, so Casanova by Matt Fraction and Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. I think Gabriel Ba did the first half of Casanova yeah. and then his brother did the rest. Um, and it's about Casanova yeah. Quinn, who's like this super spy and there's like a lot of time travel and multiple realities melting into each other. And it's like really mm-hmm. well, well written and like well drawn. Um, it's like really nihilistic and like snappy, which is like pretty. It's kind of like Matt Fraction style. Yeah, it's like his thing, and like really splashy, witty characters. I think it's like a really good. It's a really good story, like in this in the comics form. I don't feel like you could do this in any other form and be as entertaining. Yeah. Like just being able to do all these ridiculous like time jumps and kind of like absurdist scenes with like aliens. And yeah, it's very poppy, and I like. Yeah, I, I agree with the, because like it starts out kind of the way you'd expect, but there's like tons of robots, and there's like a lot of like double crossing and aliens getting mad at Casanova. There's like a there's a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, I honestly don't really know if that works very well in movies or even a novel. <laughs> like I feel like this would be really hard to do. Like I feel like that it that it is in a comics form and because he's so wordy like this like Gabriel is kind of like kind of like siphoning off like all the extraneous stuff that you wouldn't need like he's just pulling the important parts from like Fraction which is cool yeah it's kind of it's it's pretty funny to me because it's very dense like the writing is super super dense which is just i guess a trademark of matt fraction's Mm -hmm. writing style gabriel's art is so clear and like very precise and very cool looking that it definitely like leads leads you throughout the story in a way that the writing won't totally and yeah, the coloring I think is by. Let me check who the coloring is by. I think there's like they re-released it, and there's like the three color version. Oh, I really? Think, okay. The original, the original one was I think one it, or two it colors. It looks like it's by Chris Peter, who I actually really like their coloring treatment on this. Um, it like complements 
both the twins uh line work like super well um yeah. and i just like the like 70s pop like peter max ish palettes and like harsh like shapes that are kind of like bleeding out of the lines um mm-hmm. i think that adds a lot to it yeah i love their i love their spot blocks and their their inking style in a lot of ways is very influential mm. on me like I was just like, oh man, you can actually do that, and it looks awesome, and it reads well, and I really like that aspect of their work. Is just it gives it a lot of personality, and it also is really yeah, economical. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. I'm like looking at this one page of Casanova, and it's like I know of the reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know what it's referencing. Like I've definitely taken the oh, same yeah. <laughs> photo before. Nice. I love it when that happens because you're just like, huh? I see. Like I've also yeah, been yeah. there. I've been outside. <laughs> I went somewhere once. Yeah, I went somewhere one time, at least once. Yeah, Casanova is really good. I haven't really kept up on the newer issues, but... Because it's still going, right? I think think it is. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of... We're, like, wrong. Let me look it up in case we're wrong. What was I going to say? Oh, I just, like, I think I read until... I don't know if it was, like, volume three or four. I can't remember how many volumes are out, but I feel... hope it ends soon if it hasn't already because i feel like the longer it's gone on it's kind of petered out and almost like undone the like fun theme not fun but like the nihilistic aspects that like attracted to me Mm, attracted me to it in the first place um i feel i know i feel less connected to it like after the third volume it felt like it was like taking itself apart like it was fun but at the same time i was like I don't know. I think that's just like a product of like a series going on too long, but I kind of agree. Like I it's it's really a fun series and I like looking at it. As as the series goes on itself, I don't really know how interested I am mm-hmm. in it, but that could just be me. It could just it be could us. Be. We're just being downers. <laughs> We're being salty. It says it's still going on. Oh, okay. I don't really know. Okay. But the last issue came out last march okay the last trade came out may 2017 but yes okay it's also uh, shade the changing girl is is like part of i guess it's dc now because i think it started out on vertigo Mm -hmm. i think it might just be on dc now but dc's imprint young animals which is gerard way's reboot project of a lot of older dc vertigo superheroes shade Shade the Changing Girl is based off of Shade the Changing Man. I haven't read Shade the Changing Man, but... <laughs> I don't know why that name is, like, really funny to me for some reason. Because <laughs> I'm saying everything in, like, really quick succession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Shade the Changing Girl is about this, like, really mean... Uh, like, the B-plot is about a really mean girl, and she's, like, really popular, and she's really pretty, and she she's, like, a huge bully, and... Basically, what happens is that she um, gets she like falls into a coma because she was like hazing someone else, and then her the hazing went wrong, and she she ends up injured with like a head injury. Mm-hmm. And the a plot is that this alien is a huge fan of Shade, whose powers come from like a magical like color changing coat, okay. Okay. and then like she steals it. She's like a bird alien. Okay, she steals it, and she like gets transferred into um the human girl's body on earth and so like together they're like shade i guess i don't i don't really know that's that's what i gleaned (laughs) uh the story itself is actually like it's 
pretty fun. It's kind of like slice of lifey and like it's alien trying to figure out how to be like a person. Mm -hmm. And eventually she's just like, I freaking hate being a teen girl. Like take me back, but she can't go back. So it's like, it's pretty interesting. And I, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different moving parts. Like she's obsessed with this like earth um, TV show from the 50s and that's kind of why she wanted to go to Earth in the first mm-hmm. place and there's a lot of like little short comics at the end of each issue where th- it's within the 50s TV show that she really likes uh, okay. I really like Marley's art yeah me too so yeah, me too. yeah it's like really cool kind of like neo retro retro future type mm-hmm. stuff really clean ink inking and like nicely drawn characters and it's, it's like a really I, I think it's probably a pretty good book for teen girls and even adults i like it that's cool it's a good one yeah marley so marley's married to james stoko um so i've Mm -hmm. I've known them for like since i was like a little baby but yeah her sound's always been really cool and like shoujo-esque and i've always kind of admired that she's really good at just drawing like really cute girls and like good clothes (laughs) yeah i love her girls and they have a lot of they have like this like center of gravity to mm-hmm. them and she's just like a really solid draftsman and i like i like her work a lot and i think that her that her work definitely brings a lot to the series mm-hmm. itself and it's probably worth just worth if you just like looking at her art. yeah totally it's okay your faves for we're gonna do our faves now and my fave this week is the love witch oh nice the movie Mm -hmm. and it's a movie that came out in 2016 but it totally looks like it's from the 60s 70s it has that look the styling the styling and the costuming and the makeup and just the cinematography is very very like 60s and it could you could totally fool someone into thinking that's an older movie than it Mm is but it it has um it's a bit long which is the main thing main thing i don't like Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. but i like the themes which are kind of this very exaggerated version of like women being subservient to men and like feminism being bad and the whole point of all the witches is that they're like embracing their sexuality because they felt it was they felt like the reason why they're persecuted is because men are like really afraid of women wanting anything Mm -hmm. And it it is a bit like I feel like it's one of those like kind of artsy movies that maybe not everyone would be into, but if you're into like really beautiful like sixties styling and blue eyeshadow. Yeah. And Good eyelashes. Kind of like <laughs> Yeah. Huge eyelashes and kind of like a like a little tongue in cheek violence towards men that I think is a really mm-hmm. good one. It's a really good movie for that. That's cool. And it's directed by Anna Biller, I think yes and she, like it's kind of funny because she basically styles the main character to look like her oh really nice. yeah because she kind of has like, that very um vintage retro look oh so, cool it's cool i i would recommend it i just even if you only watch like half of it but i think oh, it's okay. worth watching all the way through because it's like it has that like f- that like macabre funniness to it mm. and I think if you take it too seriously, it it'll definitely seem like a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But 
it's not taking itself too seriously and it's kind of like an important message about the way we see ourselves and the way women act in society and the way that they feel like they have to act and kind of mm-hmm. it also kind of um i feel like it touches a bit on that whole like like white feminism aspect yeah. where it's like you shouldn't want to like please anyone like you need to be your own person like that kind of like not really believing in what you say about feminism if that makes mm-hmm. any sense yeah yeah totally and it's kind of it definitely like pokes fun a bit at that but also is you know ultimately about how like men can be horrible and patriarchy is bad <laughs> yeah that's cool i have to see it it looked really cute but it just never came around to like my little theater my little local theater yeah it's like i feel like it's just one of those things that goes under the radar and probably will stay under the radar mm-hmm. but i think it's good it's like if anything it's worth watching for the visuals that's cool. I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. For my weekly fave, I'm just going to talk about another comic because I can't think of anything and I haven't, like, I don't know, just been stuck in my own junk. <laughs> I mean, we just <laughs> recorded our other episode a few days ago, like two days ago, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to, like, be too hard on us just because it's literally been two days and. Yeah. Can't just have a favorite every day. Um, but yeah, my fave for this week will be uh, Copra round one and round two which is by michelle fife um who's like an amazing cartoonist he i believe issue 31 of copra is coming out or has come out Mm -hmm. um i believe it was like last month and yeah he's just like a really amazing amazing artist he has like this really interesting like raw energetic inking style and I, i actually look at his work a lot between drawing my own work because it's almost like a palette cleanser yeah (laughs) like for me like artistically like sometimes i'll get really set in a style and then when i need to just like get out of my head i'll just like flip through copra yeah it's about like a suicide squad-esque super group except it's a little meaner well i haven't read suicide squad that much but (laughs) it's less like it seems less playful than what i have read uh-huh. Um, but it's just like super cool. There's just like like I haven't read all the comics he's paying like homage to, but I can definitely like see that he's like taken all the really good parts of the stuff he is influenced by. Yeah. And kind of just like coalesced that all into Copra. Mm-hmm. So everything feels like what I think it would be like for like a little boy reading a superhero comic for the first time. That is really like, cool. I, like I'm getting that feeling like, oh, this is like really fantastic and like a cool like fantasy like adventure type of thing. But yeah, he has like a really limited palettes that he applies by hand. I think they're like either colored pencil, watercolor and a lot of like muted, muted warm colors. Just like a really interesting, like n- nothing you'd see in any sort of published work today, but it looks so good. Yeah, I'm looking at his blog and seems like a lot of a lot of like traditional with digital a bit Mm -hmm. like he still retains all the aspects of the traditional art and also digital art it's cool yeah it's really neat and i also really admire how he does um his action scenes because a lot of this is basically um set around big action set pieces and fights within huge groups of people Mm -hmm. um and i just really like how he suggest movement not just with like speed lines or like sounds but he uses like the way that the page is static and like paneling and how the ink looks 
to suggest like all these crazy actions happening yeah rather like in kind of like the opposite way of like blade of the immortal would handle it which is like another comic i really admire for its action pieces but it's very like one note in the way it translates movement yeah whereas with cobra he's always using like abstract weird textures for like superpowers or he like lets the ink bleed for like different movements or it's just like really interesting and almost every single page i feel like i can learn something from it or like kind of like hone in on a technique or some or something just something interesting on every page yeah you can kind of like glean different different like moods he he like conveys with his mark making yeah like there's there's this one panel i'm looking at right now where it's it's like this guy's fist but like his powers are coming out of his fist and they kind of look like gold daggers or like jewelry Mm -hmm. a bit which is really cool and it's kind of something that not a lot of people are going to do unless it's something really obvious like i don't know ice or lightning like it's like a different type of um shape language and visual language yeah and he's like yeah he's open to a more like abstract or obtuse like texture and like inferring movements and energy through just like a more abstract means i guess i want to say cool which is cool so yeah that's my fave for this week nice so next week we'll talk about um the struggles of monthly comics and challenges that we've been going through personally with our monthly comics um and yeah that'll be an episode for for next week yay yeah you can find us at i'm at sloansloan.com and that is also my twitter handle uh leslie what is your where can they find you um i'm leslie hung one word at on twitter and dairy free one word on instagram and i guess you can find me at lesliehung.com. That's just redirects to my Tumblr. Okay, cool. And our podcast info is you can contact us at saltandhoneypod at gmail.com. And mm. it's the same for that's the same username for Twitter and also Tumblr. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Or Tumblr. Yeah. And then we're also on iTunes and SoundCloud. And yeah, our RSS feed is on Library Syndicated, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so you can subscribe there. Um, and then music this week is by Brian Fukushima. Yay! Who, yeah, it's super cute. Um, I don't actually know if he has a website, but his Twitter is, I believe it's just Brian Fukushima. Yeah, I think so. Is that right? But yeah, so all our openings have been really cute. And thank you for the amazing music, everybody. Yes, I love it so much. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we will see you next episode. Bye. Bye.